Good morning. It is Mother's Day, First Baptist Church, and we're here uh, this morning and just sharing with you the Word of God. And we've got a, a message about mothers today, a motherly example, talking about Mary. And I'm reminded every Mother's Day of what one, one of my old deacons used to say to me every year, Bill Peeler, and he was a wonderful guy. But he used to come to me every Mother's Day and he would say the same thing. He'd say, Preacher, it's Mother's Day and we won't mind if you don't preach very long. So uh, we're not going to preach very long today. It is a shorter probably a little bit than the usual sermon. But nevertheless, the content's good. And we pay tribute on this day to mothers and I think we should. It's a great day to celebrate our mothers and all that we have learned from them. Uh, and thank you, Mom. And we're going to do that in a special way during the drive-in service. But to just a kind of a tribute here, when they were, a uh, man was trying to describe the life of a pastor and the qualities he needed to have. And I rem always remember two of those qualities. You have to, first of all, have the skin of an elephant. But also, he said, and I never forget this, the heart of a woman. And see, we think of that great loving part of humanity is so much attributed to women, being the loving, caring people that they are. And I think women have a special, special unction in that area, at least for the most part, generally speaking. And so we think of mothers, we think of love. And so that's a, not a bad thing to think of. We remember our mothers today. If they preceded us into heaven, we will uh, honor them, their memory today, and think of them and, and all the things that we need to do. And if we're fortunate enough to still have our Mother's Day, we'll show appreciation and love, maybe in a physical way by being with them. If not distantly, with we'll a phone call and a card and flowers, whatever. But we will honor our mothers on this day. It's fitting for to have such a day. I'd like to point you to a verse in 1 Timothy 2.15 where it tells us, it says that she shall be saved in childbearing. Now, what does that mean? Now, we know that women aren't saved because they have children. But it's talking about salvation coming to mankind through the birth of a child. And certainly Mary giving birth to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, through her childbearing, she was saved. She brought into the world the Savior, Jesus Christ. He grew up to be our Savior. And he was the instrument of salvation for all mankind. You know, God made that promise in Genesis 3.15 to give Eve the seed of the woman. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy heel and thou shalt bruise, his, uh, thou shalt bruise thy, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So Jesus is what it's talking about there. But that's a pointing to a virgin birth because it mentions the seed of the woman. So I believe it's fitting and wonderful that today in the Christian church we honor our mothers. So let's look in Luke this morning as we begin, beginning in verse 28, where the angel appears to Mary. <clears throat> and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. 
And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this be, this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and in his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Any question of the virgin birth, right there. She said, I've not been with a man. How can I have a child? So she is acknowledging and confessing to the angel that she is a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that this holy thing be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. So there was a creative method. The Holy Spirit went into her womb and created Jesus, the Son of God. And so... Here we have that story. It goes on and says in verse 38, 37 and 38, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now you think about this. What an incredible event here. The creation of Jesus in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit without means, natural means, a miracle, a virgin birth. And with God, it was made possible. And the response, here's what I want to focus on this morning. In the first point, in talking about a motherly example as we look at Mary this morning, she was willing to follow the leading and the word of God regardless of the circumstances. Now, think about this. She was an unwed woman at that time. What would people think? What would her espoused husband, Joseph, think? She was willing to suffer the shame if necessary. Willing to suffer whatever because it was God through his angels speaking to her. She was willing to do something that under the circumstances many might not do. She knew what might lie ahead, the possible shame. In, in spite of all of that, she was willing to be obedient to God in spite of possible circumstances. And that's what we find about a godly woman. A godly woman is going to do the right thing and the godly thing regardless of the outcome. And as we look at the example of Mary, we see her doing that, that very thing. Doing what is right, what God has said, regardless of the possible outcome. Now look in chapter 2, because what passed upon her with the birth of Jesus was a tremendous responsibility to her and Joseph. Look in chapter 2, verse 25, where she meets Simeon and Anna, 
the prophetess. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, or the salvation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. In other words, the Holy Spirit was working in his heart. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or the Messiah. And he came by spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to have him confirmed, to do for him after the custom of the law, presentation, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, uh, interestingly enough, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign that shall be spoken against. And then he says this, sadly, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Mary bore not only the tremendous responsibility of being the mother and raising of the Lord Jesus, and we know from history as Jesus went back to Nazareth and went to the temple, this child was brought up in the temple. He was taken to services every week. This also shows the godliness of his parents. But then also this statement, he was willing... A soul, a sword shall pierce, Mary, your own soul. For she would be there at the cross when Jesus was going up to the cross and he looked at Mary and he was beaten and bloody and about to be crucified, a criminal's death. Was this what Mary was looking for when she had this wonderful child? And Jesus just turns to her and says, Woman, behold thy son. So sad. You know how heartbreaking it must have been for Mary. She bore a burden like none of us will ever understand to see her own child crucified, knowing who he was and what he was, that he was the Son of God, deity, to watch him die. Yet in the deepness of her heart, we know, she knew why he was dying. I'm sorry, just a very emotional thing. We think of the sacrifice of mothers and what a great sacrifice Mary had given. She was a sacrificial parent. And everything about her was godliness. She saw her son crucified. I remember 
we had an elderly lady in our church. She lived to be 98 years old at community. Her name was Rosa Anderson. She was the oldest church member I ever received in the church at 92. And she said to me one day in talking and visiting in her house, you know, it's a curse to have lived so long. You see, Pastor, she said, I've seen uh, most of my children pass before me. And no parent should outlive their children. She said, it's been a very difficult thing. Now, so imagine if she at her age had seen her children actually live a full life, but pass, how hard it must have been Mary to see a young Jesus put to death on the cross. Regardless, she was the mother of Jesus. Woman, behold thy son. And wherever it speaks of Mary, it points to her motherhood. She had seen him born. She had seen him die. But Mary, bless Mary, would see him resurrected. Her own son resurrected from the dead. And not only that, in Acts 1, it records that she was present. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was present there with them. And she got to see her son ascend into heaven. It says in Acts 1.14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Imagine that. She got to see Jesus die, and it was a terrible day, and the tears were shed. But oh, the rejoicing of a mother to see her son risen from the dead and now ascending into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. Well, that was glorious. And so Mary, in her lifetime, saw the full gamut. We can only imagine. One of the people, we always talk when we get to heaven, who we're going to see in an interview. We're going to talk to Jesus, or we're going to talk to Paul. But has anybody ever thought about talking to Mary? Mary was there at the birth, his entire life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection and ascension. My friend, nobody knows more about Jesus than Mary. Maybe we should seek her out to do an interview with Mary. Amen? But what can we practically learn of her mother? She was an example by obedience. She was, and, and may I say this, she was not a perfect person. She needed a Savior like we do. She was sinful. She makes made mistakes. I'm sure she made mistakes with Jesus as a parent. You ever make a mistake as a parent? Well, you know, if you have boy twins, you might make the mistake like we did of spanking the wrong one. And we did that one time. And my son, Jared, telling me he was the wrong one, but he was always telling me that. And so, uh, you know, he was the boy that cried wolf, so I spanked him. And later I found out Joel had done it. And boy, did Joel get a spanking. He got extra. I said, you're going to get extra because your, your brother got spanked in your place. And so we still believe in spanking, spanking. And my son's turned out pretty good. So I don't know if it works. It worked for us. Uh, I always said, my, son, my sons are mean. They have to be spanked and they have to be at church three times a week to get some of that meanness out. So and if they were here, they would acknowledge and agree with me. And they turned out to be fine young men. 
I'm proud of both of my sons and my daughter. I'm so proud of my children and proud of them especially. They're good fathers. And so they turned out well. So spanking kind of works, I think. Well, you, you may not believe in that, but, you know, take it for whatever, a grain of salt. But what do you do when a parent makes a mistake? Well, we have to have faith in God and ask his help. And we do our best in how to act toward them. Confess your mistakes to your children. And I had to go to Jared and apologize for spanking him. Uh, ask their forgiveness. Otherwise, if we don't do that, when we make mistakes with our children, how are they going to learn to forgive? How are they going to learn what forgiveness and making mistakes is all about? I was taken back by a story I heard this week. I was looking at stories about children. And, you know, children are always embarrassed by their parents. Well, a lady had went in. Her daughter had asked her, said, Mom, it's my job to light the candles whether it was, I don't know if it was for Advent or what, in the church, would you help me, assist me? So families often do that. So the mother went up there, and in the process of lighting the candle, I guess she had acrylic nails, and one of her nails caught fire. And the mother just calmly lit the last candle with her nail and then blew it out. And her daughter was so embarrassed. I can't imagine how very embarrassing that would be. Uh, that's kind of a neat thing. She lit the candle with her nail. But, you know, children are often embarrassed by the mistakes of their parents. And she had to go to her daughter. Her daughter was devastated and embarrassed. Of course, what could the mom say? She had, to, she had to go to her daughter and say, please forgive me. We're all inadequate. We all make mistakes. Uh, son, daughter, you make mistakes. Your mom and dad make mistakes too. We're not perfect. My son once said, you're a horrible father. And I sat him down and explained my father, how my father was, for he was an alcoholic. And I said, you have to understand, I never had an example. I'm just doing the best I can here. And he, he always remembered that, that, that example, that I was just trying to do the best I could. Pray. Pray. Now, that's not too hard as a parent. We need to, parents need to do a lot of praying. Prayerful, and I believe Mary was prayerful. She had to figure out how she was going to minister and train and do for this child that was the son of God. I can't imagine. You might say, hey, my child is, is if you knew my child, what about this burden? How would you like to be Mary? How would you like to have the burden that she had? Well, I'm here to tell you that must have been tough. I'd hate to think about it. Um, do the best thing with your. I believe that uh, her example, Mary's example, uh, shows her love and shows what she was all about. And the best thing a mom can do is love their children, right? Let them know they're loved. Uh, love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? It'll cover a multitude of mouth doing the wrong thing. And I think that's why parents have to do two things. One, pray. You've got to pray. And that go, along with that, get in the word. And two, you have to love your children. Show them your love. Tell them you love them. And Mary knew this. And I guarantee you at the Mary and Joseph household, there were other children not like Jesus. <laughs> and I can't imagine having to be the parent of Jesus and the parent of other children. How do you do that? I don't know. Again, I, one of the people I want to interview when I get to heaven is Mary. I want to find out all about this parenting thing. And uh, I had a godly grandmother. She was, I think, my opinion, 
the most perfect grandmother ever lived. You, you know, you, you got your opinion, I got mine. Uh, she loved me, and I'll never forget that. I, I always remember her switching me with a switch because I'd sw- swam in the cow pond, and she knew I was wet, and that was an awful filthy place to swim, and I didn't want me down in there because of all the disease I might catch. And she was spanking me with a switch, and I looked up, and she was crying. And I just grabbed my grandmother and said, I love you. And she grabbed me up with tears in her eyes and said, I love you. So love goes a long way. It'll help your children. And through this, they will also learn to love and to forgive. Teach your children godly things, the word of God. Teach your children. Read the scriptures with your children. Uh, We talk about that in the New Testament. Paul talks about Timothy having learned Godly things from his mother and grandmother, the Word of God. Um, and make sure they get good knowledge because what are they getting in the world? You turn on the TV, what are kids getting today 24-7? Junk. Worthless junk. Much of it negative, much of it immoral. Uh, they're getting all this garbage in their head. You know, listen, we need some cleanser in there once in a while, don't we? And the Word of God is a cleanser. So get the Word of God in your child and in their soul. We used to have a Bible reading every morning before school. Uh, my daughter hated it, but we did it anyway. We prayed for them before they went off to school. Now I get the opportunity with my grandson. When I take him to school, we pray every morning together. So that's an important facet of parenting. Teach your children good things. Dr. Ben Carson, y'all have heard of him. He ran for president a few years ago, and he's liked and respected nationally. He grew up in a poor family. His mother couldn't even read. She was illiterate. She wanted more for her children, so she decided to teach her children to do right, good things, the right things, to have courage, and to work hard. And by the right things, we mean the Word of God. And so I would say she succeeded. I mean, Dr. Ben Carson, one of the most respected men in America. Also, be patient with your children. Rome was not built in a day, and it took 19 years of my grandmother's teaching to sink in with me. Her reading her Bible, uh, a godly example, praying every day, seeing her on her knees, praying for me. It took me 19 years for that to sink in, but it it sunk in. And I heard the story the other day about a child turning five, and he always used his fingers. He said, when he was four, I'm this many. And then he's, his mother says, how, how old will you be tomorrow? And he looked at his fingers and he said, I'll be a handful tomorrow. Well, guess what, folks? Children are a handful. Uh, just the birthday at five doesn't make that. From age one to 25, I put in my notes, I was trying to think, what is the age children are a handful? One to 25 and maybe beyond. So be patient, keep working. And by the way, when your children leave home, you're still a parent. The parenting continues. Uh, For a parent, unfortunately, and I have news for you parents, it never ends. You're always going to want to pray for them. You're always going to want to advise them, love them, and help them. Now think, Jesus was 33 And who was there at his side in his ministry, helping him, even advising him and talking to him sometimes, interacting with him? Mary. Even Mary, who had the Son of God, and he's the most perfect 
individual. She was there being a mother to him even when he was 33. Now, sometimes you have to let them go, I know, and do bad things because they have to skin their knees to learn how to ride a bicycle or how not to run on asphalt. Sometimes we have to practice tough love with children. And that's necessary too, and I don't fault that. You still love them and pray for them, though, even when you're practicing tough love. And there comes a time when you know as a parent, when you prayerfully and know the Word of God, and, but the things that you teach them, when they're old, they won't forget it, the Bible says. So remember that. What else can we do for our children? Well, mom and dad love each other. Be united spiritually and in teaching the children. Set good examples. Pray before meals. Read the scripture with your family before meals or at after meals, whatever. Honor God by your presence in church. You know, when you go to church and you take your kids to church, they understand that the church is a priority. If you say, oh, we won't go today, and you're flipping about your church attendance and you're here, here and there, you know, you're, well, you know what you're teaching your, God, your children? Church isn't a priority. And listening to the word of God in church and praising God together with other believers is not a priority. So get up and take your kids to church. That is one of the best things you can do for your children. You know, like the one guy said, I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church three times a week, you know. Uh, well, that's a good kind of drug problem. And these are some things this morning on Mother's Day that can help you uh, help parents. But the main thing you can do to your child is begin at a young age to teach them about Jesus Christ and to eventually lead them to Christ. I've had the opportunity to lead two of my grandchildren already to Christ at the breakfast table. And that's an important facet, to lead them to accept Jesus Christ. And what's funny, I led one of them to Christ, the oldest one. He went back and told the younger one, and he came to the breakfast table. He says, I understand that my brother... Uh, is going to heaven, and he said, I don't know, because his brother had already talked to him. You know, it's just like the situation with, in, with Philip in the Bible. Uh, he went and got his brother, Andrew, and went and got his brother. Uh, so teach them also beyond that, after they accept him, to follow Christ. That's the number one thing you can do. Giving your children a spiritual foundation a spiritual foundation. You will not be sorry. Now, I'm not going to say they won't stumble, crash, or burn, but at least if they do, they have Jesus. They have someone there to help them. And you don't know where they might go or what they might do, but my friend, take, let them take Jesus with them. Teach them to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. How do you do that except Christ? Well, you simply call on Him in faith, believing that Christ died for your sins. Believe He was the Son of God, Savior to all who believe. And if you'll call on Him, believing that He died for your sins, He will save your soul today. Well, listen, we're at the end here this morning, and I want to pray for all the mothers out there listening today a special prayer to them. And if you'll join me in prayer wherever you are, wherever you're listening, let's do that. 
Lord Jesus, we come to you in prayer this morning, giving thanks for our mothers. Thanks for all they do. Uh, I remember my dear mother working hard to support the family, watching over me, caring for me when I was sick, cooking my meals, washing my clothes, and the many other hundreds of things, Lord, that we're not thankful enough that a mother might do. And she worked outside the home. What, What a sacrifice, Lord, my mother showed me and my grandmother. Lord, we give thanks for mothers for all they do, the love they show. And Lord, the mothers out there that are listening, help them to know that they hold the future of the world in their hands as they hold a child. Bless every mother. Give them great spiritual blessing and great blessing, period. And Lord, as we have this special day to give thanks to mom, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, First Baptist Church.